Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's a brand new football season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders, Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets, and Odell Beckham Jr. is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed is where I'm putting my money down on all the games. MyBookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using MyBookie.com slash BlueWire to sign up this year. MyBookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sportsbook. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you gotta do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player props in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet. Win. Get paid. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome into the full slate. Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. I am Greg Frank, alongside Matt Siegel, 
better known as Showtime Cappers on Twitter. It is a fun time of year for sports gambling. If you were one of the downloaders and listeners to our NFL Futures podcast earlier this week, we really appreciate you, and we hope you're back for the ride as we're going to go to the college ranks primarily today. Mix in a little football. Get to some of the bigger games in Major League Baseball over the weekend as well. It is a fun time of year in sports as we turn the page from summer into the fall. Matt, it's good to have you back. How are we doing? What up, what up? I'm real excited. Uh, happy the debut episode went well. I'm really excited to kick this off and, you know, get our weekly episodes pumping out. I'm really excited to talk some college football finally. Can't, can't yeah, wait for Saturday. And, and, you know, it's something that I feel like casual betters <clears throat> should get into more because, as I'm sure you know, the NFL – is the league that generates the most popular and the biggest betting every week. But there are so many more options for college football. And the more you bet, I think that just allows you more opportunities to find competitive advantages. Well, yeah, let me tell you. So, um, you know, there's just generally more teams, more games. You know, it's uh, hard for them to be fully covered and all the lines be accurate. Um, I mean, on most Sundays, there's only uh, about what are 16 games. When there's bye weeks, there's less. Um, those lines are tighter. Uh, they're, you know, like you said, there's not as much value to be found in there. You know, that's why you'll often see some of the bigger schools. So, I mean, smaller schools, smaller games. You'll see some of those games are actually moving few extra points in some of the bigger games. Um, you know, cause some people, some people know the, know the knowledge of those smaller teams. One thing, and that's a good point. One thing I want to get to before we get to our college football win totals, uh, any specific factors when it comes to handicapping college football that maybe make it a little bit different than the NFL? I do think that certain home fields in college are probably going to be worth more than certain home fields in the NFL because that Saturday atmosphere at some places in the country is unlike anything in all of sports. I agree. So- uh, actually, the NFL actually the NFL home field um, has. I read an article the other day. Their actual home field advantage has been trending downward over the past couple of years. Um, honestly, I forget the reason why, but I was reading an article about it. It was very interesting. Yeah. So. I think the home field is, is one thing. Uh, and another thing, too, in college, you'll see, uh, I think most teams will get uh, a second bye week in the season. So that can be another thing that maybe is a little bit more nuanced. Um, anything they just that go out notice- there compete every day, you know, not to say that the NFL players don't. They do. But I always feel like same with basketball. There's just a, there's just a different type of passion at the college level. And, you know, it's just real interesting. Okay, sure. Any, any other kind of like major differences you notice in, in handicapping the two? No, I mean, home home uh, home field is definitely an advantage, especially for, you know, um, home underdogs, uh, teams that are lower ranked. You know, those numbers next to the next to the teams, they uh, they don't really say that much, you know, and a lot of people put sure. a little factor into those numbers next to the teams uh, than they really do. And that's why you often see the the home upsets of unranked I mean, teams against ranked just, teams every week. Just ask Ohio State fans the last couple of years, right? I mean, yeah. Purdue last year and Iowa the year before that. And every year, it's always it's always something. Every year, it just seems to happen more often. I mean, gosh, I remember the one year I think three years ago, Pittsburgh went to Clemson and won as a uh, double. Yeah, that was wild. Syracuse now, beat Clemson last year too. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, or that was two years ago that Syracuse beat Clemson, but. Uh, yes, it, it seems like the upsets maybe are, are a little bit more, uh, the, it's a wider range and you might see some more crazy ones, which again speaks to just the opportunity as a gambler, uh, to find some other advantages. And then one other thing about the home fields, I just think 
there can also be a, a lesser home field as a Temple graduate. I can tell you there were far too often Saturday 12 o'clock games. Everybody was partying Friday night. Nobody wanted to roll out of bed at 10, 11 in the morning to go to a 12 noon game that wasn't on campus. So when it comes to schools like Temple, Pittsburgh, South Florida that play in NFL stadiums, that can be another thing. Sometimes they don't fill the stadium. So sometimes it works the other way, too, where the home field doesn't mean that much at all. Mm, I agree. So we're going to get right into it now with some NFL win totals. Matt, I'm going to let you kick this one off. Uh, Give me your favorite NFL, or I'm sorry, college football win totals. Uh, Give me your favorite college football win total for 2019. I am going right to the heart of the country. I'm going Oklahoma over 10 and a half wins. Um, You know, I'll tell you why, and it's actually going to lead into a few other bets that I'm going to be talking about um, a little later on after we get past the win totals. Um, But I'm a big Oklahoma fan this year. I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan this year. Um, I think that man has a chip on his shoulder. Um, you know, I really liked his ability to stick with the Alabama program, uh, after the Alabama program couldn't stick with him. He gave it a shot. Um, then he had to do it ultimately what was best for himself. And that was transfer. And, you know, he landed at a great, great program in Oklahoma, uh, since Lincoln, Lincoln Riley has become their head coach. Um, he's produced two Heisman trophy winners back to back. Uh, they oh, weren't overall the picks and their offense has been the best call. Yes. It, like you took the words right out of my mouth and I look at their schedule. I don't see anything that scares me. Um, I see a game at Texas. Um, where I was going to get to, where are you on the Longhorns and Sam Ellinger? A lot of hype around Tom Herman's company. This so year. yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm buying Oklahoma. I'm buying Oklahoma stock, Greg. I'm, I'm on the Oklahoma train. Sure. I like Texas. They're going to be good. I think it's a clear two-horse race, but I think Oklahoma edges them out. Um, I'm actually, you know, I'm going to I'm going to jump a little bit ahead. It really just leads me right into my other bet. I, I have Oklahoma to win the conference, Greg. Minus 165, that is. Uh, I'm paying that price personally. At the end of the day, like I said, I think this is a real two-horse race between Texas and Oklahoma, and I think these are better odds you're going to get in that conference game. So I'm locking that up now. Um, Oklahoma's won the conference six of the last seven years. They've had the best offense uh, in college football last year, averaging 41 points, ranked first. Uh, two years ago, they averaged 45 points. Uh, and they were ranked third. Like I said, that's that's the work of Lincoln Riley. He's produced uh, two great quarterbacks who I think are actually going to have great careers in the NFL, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. They've already done some exciting things. Uh, Baker, that is, last year. Um, and that's, you know, Greg, like I said, that's really rolling to my other future. I actually have Jalen Hurts to win the well, Heisman. Let me ask you real quick, another thing on Oklahoma, which is an interesting thing for gamblers to think about. Get I'm looking at the schedule right now, too, and it is pretty open. Other than that Texas game, it's hard to really see. I mean, the only other preseason top 25 team on the schedule besides Texas is Iowa State. And that's a home the- game, Greg. A home game, right. So it is yeah. a favorable schedule, and they can lose a game. Uh, and and still go uh, yeah I mean catch this ticket but let me ask you though you mentioned the Texas game and if you're buying Oklahoma stock it doesn't necessarily mean you're selling the Texas stock but that is one of those games where it could be a game of the year possibility where you know certain books will post game of the year lines and of you can course. bet them you can bet them right now if you're in on Oklahoma is that something you'd look to do now to bet them against Texas so that number is going to be bigger when they play on October 12th so let me tell you so 
just as you guys heard me break down uh, NFL schedules, I do very similar way, right? I'm going to identify the winnable and the losable games. I, I truthfully, so like Greg said, they can lose one game and still get your 11 and one. I, I truthfully don't see any other game on the schedule because I don't see them losing at home. They're not losing at home. Like you said, the only formidable opponent they play at home is Iowa State. That's late in the season at home. They're not losing that game, and I, I probably beg that Iowa State might not even be ranked at that point in the season, right? And then their their road games are against Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Kansas. Those were four of the bottom five teams in the Big 12 last year. That's nothing. They're playing UCLA, who I believe had like three wins last year. So they, they really have not a hard game on their schedule. They even play West Virginia at home. West Virginia wasn't that good, but always a tough place to play. You know, it's at Texas. But... To get to your point, no, I'm not going to grab that line. Okay. And, you can afford and, a loss anyway. And exactly, because I can afford a loss anyway. So instead of grabbing that line, I'd just rather play this. Because if they win that game in Texas, in my mind, you know, then, then they're looking at 12-0. and 0 and, and if they mess up one along the way, sure, that's fine. But if they grab that game in Texas as a bonus, I'm not betting they win that game. Uh, and by the way, for any of my uh, followers um, watching out there, A's just took a 4-0 lead. Uh, bottom of third, zero out. So that's that's good for the program. Let's hope they keep it up. But um, you know, back to what I was saying. Yeah, I, I just would rather have that game as a bonus because I don't see them dropping any other game on their schedule. Got it. So you're going with Oklahoma over ten and a half wins. Uh, what was the price you got on that again? That was just minus one ten. Minus one ten. Okay, so standard juice. Standard juice there. To start it off. I'm gonna follow up and I'm gonna go to the Big Ten. And I'm going to look at the Michigan State Spartans. I'm going to play them over eight wins at minus $1.45. Michigan State has been one of those teams that... Why did you get the number at seven and a half, Greg? Oh, you can play it at seven and a half. It was was seven and a half. You must have missed it. I must have missed it. Well, I will uh, take the L on that, I guess. I like like eight. I've seen eight and a half some places now. Yeah, so I, I got in at 8, but it sounds it's like so good. a little over the map. So I'll tell you what, if I'm playing it at 8, I would play it at 8.5 at less juice, but uh, obviously like to have the security of pushing on 8. Michigan State, though, uh, let me just land, you know, get to the crux of this. I'm they're here. one of those programs that it feels like every year, like they're, in most cases, they're going to be in it, right? Like the Big Ten, they're obviously in the Big Ten East, which is more competitive. You're mm-hmm. going to see Ohio State. You're going to see Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've been able to hang with those teams. And when they haven't, and when they have had down years, Mark D'Antonio, who's been there for a while now, 2007 was his first year. Mark D'Antonio has found a way to respond uh, like no other coach in college football. They've won seven or fewer games three previous times in his tenure at Michigan State. In 2007, they went, I'm sorry, four previous times. 2007, they went seven and six the following year, nine and four. 2009, they went six and seven the following year, 11 and two. 2012, they go seven and six again the following year, 2013, 13 and one. And then in 2016, they go three and nine the following year, they go 10 and three. Last year, Michigan State went seven and six, which is considered a down year. But as you see, Every single time they won seven or fewer games, they won over eight comfortably. Their combined record in those bounce-back seasons after winning seven or fewer games is 43-10. and 10. That's an average of about 11 wins in four seasons. So now let me, let me ask you, Greg. 
Is that saying something about the coach, the program? Like, what does I that say? I think that's the coach, right? Because if you think about it, the coach is the judge, jury, and executioner at the well, college. Why football. does he? Wait, wait, why does he have a, a down year or a losing year, and then a good? Like, is that could that be recruiting? Could that be actually reflect poorly on the coach? Because that seems like inconsistency. If I'm a fan, right, I don't want to see my team go go under 500 over 500 you know i don't i don't but I don't but, but that's the thing he has been there since 2007 so it's been a lot more good than that but what i'm saying is okay. when it is bad he bounces right back this is not a coach that has had back-to-back bad seasons okay. so and stinks to be a fan though it sounds like i'm sorry stinks to be a fan though i as a, i guess as an iu guy you're gonna say that but uh, this is a Michigan State team that made the college football playoff under D'Antonio. They have a Rose Bowl victory under this guy. One of the more they always seem to have a good defense, and they always have a good defense. You're right. I mean, they put a lot of corners. In I love the NFL. playing Michigan State unders. Love it. Right. Exactly. A Big Ten in general seems to Let's be one go of the unders. Yeah, definitely. Unders. Definitely good conference to play unders. That's for sure. So as I said, forty-three and ten in those four seasons that they have won seven fewer or less in the following season, 43 and 10 combined record. Right. Uh, and, and none of those, uh, I, I factored this in, uh, it, none of those cases did a conference championship or a bowl game get them over uh, eight wins. They were always, anytime they had those conference championship or bowl games factored into their record, they were already well over eight. So again, at this number, I really like Michigan State to bounce back their entire offensive line, except for one player who only started four games last season, is back. Granted, they did draw at Ohio State, at Michigan, and at Wisconsin. However, if they just win one of those two one of those three games, I feel very confident that they're going to be able to go eight and three uh in the other they say they win one of them, I think they can go one and eight and three in the remaining 11. So I guess one and two, and then uh, that would leave me at seven in one. The rest of the way would be what I got this. So, uh, well, that would be to get me a push. Uh, So do the math. I think that Michigan state is at the very least going to be nine and three. I only, it's okay, Greg, we'll have you work on your math skills before next one. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, I got a square one coming at you. I can really see them losing though. I no, I I I hear you there. I, I think it's a good one. I, I do. I like their defense. I like the bounce back stat. That does say something about the coach to me. I have a square one. Call it what you will. I'm taking Clemson over eleven and a half wins, and I'm paying minus one forty for that. Uh, give me the best quarterback in the country. Um, coming into his sophomore year, ready to go. Already could have been the first pick in the draft. Give me Dabo Sweeney. Give me the returning starters. And the returning and garbage team, ACC. The recruit, uh, the recruits they get. Give me all that, and give me the garbage ACC they walk through every year. And I'm not thinking twice. They have an easy schedule. Um, you know, they start the season two games at home. That's always a nice way to start the season. Um, there's it, just really, you look at their schedule. There's not one team that worries me the slightest bit. I'm not getting cute here. I'm paying the price Clemson's undefeated season. And once again, we see them in the college football playoffs, Greg. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with that. Obviously, right. Dabo Sweeney has built Clemson into one of, if not Power the elite house. in college football. Now I'm curious, 
Did you also look at betting Clemson to make the playoff? Uh, I'm assuming you would have to pay more juice on that in that case then. Exactly. So in my mind, that was more juice. And you want to know why, Greg? Because, frankly, if they lose a game, they're not going to make the playoffs, in my opinion. If they lose to a team on their schedule, I truthfully think that— Even if it's the ACC championship and somebody emerges to be pretty good. uh, I, I, I think that if they lose, I don't see them losing in the a, in the ACC championship. I see them, you know, messing up a game as we saw a couple years back and losing. But I think other teams are going to be too good. Oklahoma, I think, is going to be too good. Alabama, I think, is going to be too good. You got Georgia. You got Michigan and Ohio State. If one of them, you know, has an amazing year and Clemson has one loss, Clemson could be out. And we could have a Georgia, Bama, Oklahoma, and a Big, and a Big Ten team right there. So... I take this bet because the I'm paying less juice, and I believe that they need to go 12 and 0 and win the championship game to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, you know another thing I want to say about this bet is this is probably the best way to bet a Clemson or, a, or an Alabama, right? Like the, the rest best of the season, way, the best way, Greg. The rest of the season, you're going to see obviously money lines that are ridiculous, spreads that are. Probably inflated, although Alabama first half was hitting almost every week last year. Uh, at the same time, I agree with the premise of if you want to bet Clemson or if you want to bet Alabama, just take them to go undefeated. And, and Clemson more so than Alabama because, as you mentioned, the conference sucks. So I, I, I can't knock the bet at all. Yeah. True. I am going to stay in the Big Ten, and I am going to go under eight and a half wins with the Wisconsin Badgers at minus $1.50. Boo, Wisco. I'm sorry? I said boo, Wisco. Yeah, that's right. As an IU guy, I guess you can't get behind the Badgers, and I guess hopefully you'll get behind this bet. Uh, Wisconsin, think about them. They're they're normally a grounded pound team offensively and a team that, you know, will play. They lose their running back? They do have their running back back. Jonathan Taylor is a potential Heisman candidate, although we'll get to Heisman bets later. I do want to say something on not betting running backs or wide receivers because most of the time it's not worth it. Um, But I'm going under eight and a half for Wisconsin. They are losing their top two linebackers and they are losing the best safety from their defense. And they're also losing four offensive linemen. So those linebackers being TJ Edwards and Ryan Connolly and the safety Dakota Dixon. So Dakota Dixon. So, when you think about Wisconsin, they're not a team that wows you zinging the ball over the all over the field. They're not. A, I'm sorry. There's not, they're not a team that has a ton of wide receivers that are going to be picked in the first couple rounds. So my concern about the offensive line getting worse and the defense losing some of its top players from last year, uh, I think, is enough to where I look at the rest of the Big Ten West, which is going to be improved. Minnesota has P.J. Fleck in his third year. They're ready to take a jump. Purdue with Jeff Brom in his third year could be in line to take a jump. A lot of hype around Nebraska. Nebraska, yeah. And then Northwestern is the reigning champ in the Big Ten West. And the Iowa Hawkeyes are always in the mix. Illinois is the only team in the Big Ten West that you can count out. Another error. A is 5-0. There you go. Uh, Another, like, like I said, Illinois is the only team in the Big Ten West that you can count out. Therefore... I have to like Wisconsin under eight and a half wins because I think the Big Ten West is going to beat up on each other. And like I said, the losses on the offensive line and on the defense are going to be hard to replace. A lot of eight-man fronts for Jonathan Taylor. I like Wisconsin to go under eight and a half. I actually agree with you, Greg. I like the point you made. You made me a believer, and I'm not a Wisco fan, so 
I'm cool with that play. You know, I'm going to touch on a few more that I may have alluded to earlier. I think I did mention, actually, one of my future bets, Jalen Hurts, to win the Heisman, plus 1,400. I'm big on Oklahoma uh, to win the conference. I'm big on Oklahoma total. So I'm obviously also big on Oklahoma to make the playoffs, and that's at plus 200, like I said. So I'm big on all those three. That lands me. Jalen Hurts to win the Heisman. Like I said earlier, Lincoln Riley, last two years, has produced Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, uh, two studs, Heisman Trophy winners, back-to-back number one of our picks. You, they do it all, whatever. Uh, Baker, as his offense, they average 45 points. Jalen Hurts, he's just going to – Lincoln Riley's going to put Jalen Hurts in a position to win. He has 5,600 career yards, 48 touchdowns. Uh, when he was a full-time starter at Bama, he threw for 17 touchdowns, one interception. Like, this is not – any scrub. He has experience. He's a proven winner, a national champion. Um, and at plus 1400, I just think it's a good value right behind Tua and Lawrence. You know, obviously I think Tua and Lawrence are the, are the front runners, but with the explosive offense that Oklahoma has and the traditionally strong defenses in the SEC, um, those quarterbacks just aren't set up. Tua is not set up to put the same numbers. And, you know, I, I just think, Jalen Hurts has a little chip on his shoulder. He can come out and have a big year. Hey, you know what? If you're all in on Oklahoma, that's a good bet because if Oklahoma is in the college football playoff, then that in and of itself is going to give Jalen Hurts a chance to win the Heisman Trophy. So uh, I, I think you know that's a a good value. What'd you say? You got that at? Because I'm seeing a lot lower at some other shops. Jalen Hurts to plus fourteen hundred Oklahoma to make the playoffs plus two hundred. I'm seeing my bookie have Jalen Hurts at plus six fifty to win the Heisman. Um, that's today. So I don't know yeah. when you if you've already bet that. No, um, that was off uh, DraftKings earlier today, actually. Wow. DraftKings Sportsbook. In that case, uh, I, I definitely at that price, I like that. But I, I just can't believe that that there's that big of a pricing difference there. Yeah, I mean, unless my eyes deceived me, but um, um I was I was pretty pretty confident. Sure. No, I get regardless, it. Regardless, regardless at uh, six fifty, you know what? I still like the bet because I um I'm in on Jalen Hurts and frankly, if it's not Tua and if it's not uh Trevor Lawrence, because Clemson and Bama are both gonna make the playoffs, then it's probably one of the quarterbacks of the other team that's gonna make the playoffs, and that's Oklahoma for me. And so yeah, that's odd card ten to one. So this does seem to be one of those wider range yeah. prices. Yeah, definitely is. You know, I actually also have one more uh to add. Um, I am taking UCF to win the conference uh, for their third straight year at plus 140. I thought they would actually uh, be more like minus 120. Uh, I know there's a, it's like a two-horse race, right? And Memphis is the next favorite at plus 200. Same kind of thing with Texas and Oklahoma. In my mind, uh, I'm going to see Memphis and UCF in the in the conference game. And, and I think that plus 140 is going to be better value at this point than what we see UCF in that game with – the transfer of quarterback um, uh, Wimbush from Notre Dame, you know, sure. if it's a system, he can run well. Um, he's been in a big program. UCF has been dominant. The recruits have been off the charts, not compared to the other teams in their in their conference. And I, I think we see them in the conference game. And at the end of the day, like I said, I think plus 140 is not is better value than what we see them at when they meet at the end of the season with Memphis. Couple tricky games for UCF in the conference at Cincinnati, going to be one of the better teams in that division. And so is Temple. So they have to go at the road in both of those spots. But if they get through, then the South Florida game at the end of the year is at home. So, of course. And I, let me let me let me point out something that I think is very important. 
UCF is getting what they've been asking for for years, right? They get a home game against Stanford. So they got a big conference game. They want to put on display. They want to play with the big boys. I mean, they got a big non-conference game. They, they, They want to put on display. They want to show that they're part of the big boys. Now's the season to do it. You, you you got, like you said, you got one or two slightly hard road games. You know, I think they should win both, both very winnable games. And you got a game against a big name program like Stanford. So now's the, now's the, now's the year to do it. Yeah, no, I, I the win factor is certainly worth considering. And, you know, they've built themselves into a pro. They proved they were bigger than Scott Frost. That's for sure. So UCF to win the American at plus 140. Again, if you look, like him in the conference. If you like him to get to the conference championship game, then you're obviously getting a better price at that point on the money line than you'd be getting in that game. I am going to go to the SEC with a couple of future bets. Is this the last one? Going, I'm sorry. Is this the last one? This this does it for me with the college okay. football futures. Yes, I'm good on college football futures too. I am taking the Georgia Bulldogs to win the national championship at seven and a half to one. The gap is not. The gap is not that wide with Alabama. So this is just, this screams like just pure value. Like they're not that much. They should have won that SEC championship game last year. They had the game. Sounds like a salty better to me. No, no, I did not bet Georgia. Just, I guess, like Georgia a little bit more than Alabama. Was rooting for a little more parity, but I think. I mean, yeah, Fromm's good. And that's where I'm going next. I think from you, you got a quarterback just as experienced as Tua. I think he's kind of flying under the radar a little bit this year compared to Fromm and, and obviously Justin Herbert going back to Oregon. I think Fromm to win the Heisman is a good bet here as well. I'm seeing him priced at about 14 to 1. Uh, my bookie has Fromm at 12 to 1. Uh, but, like, for example, some of the guys that are ahead of Fromm, Adrian Martinez at Nebraska. I know there's Nebraska hype, but come on now. And Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin, I mentioned how I don't really like the Badgers. T. Higgins at Clemson. Like, if you're betting the Heisman, it is kind of the same thing as the NFL MVP. Yeah. Quarterback on a team. Quarterback on a playoff team. Quarterback on a playoff team. Quarterback on a playoff team. Quarterback on a on a conference or a division team. Quarterback on a, like it's very simple. It's very similar. There have been like, for example, when Lamar won. The beginning of the season, he wasn't looked at as a Heisman candidate. He had that big game against Florida State. Same thing with Manziel, and then he had the coming out party at South, in Tuscaloosa. But for the most part, it's a quarterback on a playoff team. Derrick Henry won the one year in 2015, uh, but him. Yeah, and I mean, you're going to have your anomalies, but your best bet preseason is a quarterback on a team you think's going to make the playoffs. Like that's that's preseason. Obviously, right. there's going to be other people that steal the show that year. But you just can't account for that. You can't account for some running back to steal the show uh, on another team. You just can't. And lastly, on Georgia, uh, they have a big non-conference game against Notre Dame on on September the 21st. Yeah, that's a big one. But if they win that game, obviously, to make the playoff, they probably still have to win the SEC. But I think we're getting closer to seeing a team like a Georgia where they lose two games in conference and still get in. I think – not saying it's going to happen, but if they can win that Notre Dame game, then they're going to have a, a really good non-conference win. That you know, you think about LSU playing Texas. Yeah, so you're pretty much so. So, so back to a question you asked me: Why don't you just bet that win? Because it sounds very correlated with your play. What, like the game of the year type bet? Well, I'm just saying. I mean, if for them to make the playoffs, realistically, they probably have to beat Notre Dame that game. They so probably why not have to beat Notre Dame. Yeah. 
I yeah, mean, no, you're that's fair. And now that we say that, I haven't bet that yet. But first thing I'll do is I'm probably not, look yeah. for that game when we get off. So I'm all in on Georgia right in the national championship a couple of years ago and a heartbreaking loss, uh, just a choke against Alabama last year. So, hey, third time's a charm, right? Give me the Bulldogs seven and a half to one to win the national championship from to win the Heisman. You can get that at better to 10 to one at pretty much every shop. I like it. I like so, it. We are going to switch gears now and go to the National Football League. This is probably the next seven or ten days when you start to see a lot of fantasy drafts come off the board, right? I mean, third week of preseason. Now, you know, once you get these games behind you, you don't have to worry about anybody getting hurt. So I'm sure, Matt, I know I'm drafting. I have two drafts within the next eight, nine days. I know you know people that are drafting, so – all across the country, the most fantasy drafts are going on over the next two weeks. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, season starts in two weeks. So if you haven't now, already drafted, you got to get it done. Had a draft. I think you said you had a draft earlier in this week, and you took Saquon Barkley. So let's start. No, right no, no, no. I haven't drafted yet. They haven't but drafted yet. number one pick. I haven't I, drafted yet, but uh, number one pick, I'm taking Saquon Barkley. Yeah, right, okay. uh, for that's, sure. That's where yeah, I mean, I already have the Giants over five and a half wins, so I have to somehow believe that Saquon Barkley is going to be a factor in getting them six wins. Right. Um, so let's take on Barkley. Right there, then. Are the, is Barkley like a consensus? I, yeah, in a PPR league for sure and not even in a PPR league. Um, I think he's got to be the consensus, right? He had an amazing year last year. The Giants still stink. Uh, I mean, they sunk last year. Like, I think they're going to improve a little bit. I think Daniel Jones gives a little bit. I think it's also his, his sophomore year, so he's looking to obviously take that jump to the next level and really, like, you know – he started seeing at the end of the year, like coming to that swagger of of a star in the NFL. They also play a slightly favorable schedule, like I said when I broke down their win total. So yeah, I mean, I think Saquon Barkley is the consensus number one. Um, would I be shocked if Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey like finished above him? No, but you know, if I'm drafting number one, put it this way: if I'm drafting number one and I draft Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey finish above him, I'm not going to be that upset. But if I go out on a limb and I draft Kamara or McCaffrey. And Saquon Barkley just blows him out of the water. I'm gonna be like, wow, I was the I was the moron who decided to get cute and pick another guy because I thought he was gonna do better. Like, no, just just pick Barkley. I think. Pick yeah, Barkley. I, I'm with you when you think about Barkley and their offense. Like, it goes as he goes, right? And I think that's also an argument that you can make in favor of Ezekiel Elliott. But we still don't quite know what's going on there. This contract, so you remove him from the conversation. Then the other two guys are Kamara and and McCaffrey. Still very important parts of their offense, but not, you don't think as, and I agree, as, like, Barkley, if they're all three of those guys are healthy, Barkley's going to get the most touches. We agree there? Yeah. No, 100%. Uh, yeah. Not a big question. Um, all right. I got a question for you. Sure. This is something I've been, uh, you know, pondering in my own head. I actually put a poll up on it last week. You are drafting one Rams receiver. Who are you drafting? Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, or Cooper Cup? Because I feel like they're all around the same skill level. You know, Cooper Cup was doing great last year, then got hurt. Robert Woods ended up emerging, but obviously coming into the year and when he went on to the Rams, Brandon Cooks was obviously, like, the prized guy. So, like, who are you, who well, are you picking? Uh, let me, like, preface this, though, by asking you, like, average draft position is important here. So Yeah, they're all right around each other. If they're all right around each other, and you're telling me I can get them all within plus or minus. I see. I have I have in Yahoo ranks. I have Robert Woods 36, Brandon Cooks 37, Cooper Cup 52. So Cup a little bit back, but for argument's sake, who, who who's having that, the best fantasy year out of Rams ranking, right? Yeah, who's having the best fantasy year out of Rams wide receivers? You know, I think I got to go with Brandon Cooks because 
when it comes to that kind of question, right, where you're not quite sure how the opportunity is going to divide itself out, there's going to be some weeks when Woods has double-digit card targets, some weeks when Cooks does, some weeks when Cup does. I think when you don't know about the opportunity like that, you just have to look at the talent and say, who is the best player here? And I think okay. Brandon you think Cook Cook's the best player is the best player. So okay. that's how I kind of break that tie. I don't know if you kind of agree with that methodology or not. I mean, but- I, 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 I would agree with that methodology, but however, I think Robert Woods, he's the most target. So I would go with Robert Woods. Um, I think he's being the slot a lot. I think Jared Goff, uh, you know, the way he passes, the way that offense works. Yeah, if, if that's your argument, does that be more for Cup, though? Because he's uh, kind of like the smaller no, guy. I mean, I think they'll both be in there, but I, I think Robert Woods really emerged and got and uh, Goff got comfortable with him last year. I feel like often we see that uh, carry over into the following year. You know, Cup was a little hurt. I mean, Cup, yeah, I think I think Cup's a great. If you, hey, if you can stab Roger Woods and, and Cooper Cup, I don't think that's a bad idea, but I think Robert Woods is going to be the better, the better out of the three. Okay, and now I'll fire back another one at you. We're both Eagles fans. Uh, they... To read into it as you may, like not a good preseason game tonight against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, but I did see a buddy tweet out because uh, I didn't see the game, but I did see a buddy tweet out that Corey Clement was getting a lot of early run. Yeah, field has been a bit of a quagmire. It's been kind of hard to kind of short, sift through the la- under Doug Peterson really, and and this year too, they just have a lot of backs, right? I'm so, gonna answer your question actually. You're drafting the Eagles running back. I'm Give actually not drafting point. anyone on the whole Eagles offense. I'm not drafting a running back. I'm not drafting a wide receiver. I'm not. I'm probably not even drafting Carson Wentz, right? Um, I'm not drafting Ertz where he's going that high. Um, and there's just too many good targets. You got Aguilar. You got Ertz. You got Goddard, Alshon, Deshaun. That's so many targets. The Eagles offense is just so prolific. It's hard to find a true and you have, and like you said, you have Sanders, Howard, Sproles. Um, Adams, you just have so many guys like Clement. You, there's so many guys. Their offense is just that good, and I think that they're really just going to use everyone's skill set to combine each other and just try and be a really good football team. Well, so I'm actually that, staying away from the Eagles. Pro Wentz argument. Um, it could be pro Wentz argument, but at the end of the day, you know he does have that injury factor, and there's clearly I think other quarterbacks better fantasy suit. That could be a Wentz MVP argument, but I don't know if necessarily. Like, Jordan Howard could get a lot of punches in the goal line after Wentz drives them down, you know? I think it's pretty sure. obvious that yeah. Roger, that guys like Rogers or Luck or Mahomes or um, you're still Watson, thinking, you know, you're they're going to— over Wentz with the injury stuff. Um, I'm not saying I would necessarily take Luck over Wentz. I'm just saying Luck is known, you know, to put up bigger fantasy numbers. Again, Luck is a number— Another guy that concerns me a little bit of injury. However, I do like Luck if healthy, but around Luck, I believe, is ranked Matt Ryan and Baker Mayfield. Drafting today, Luck or Wentz? Drafting today, right now, I'm going to go Carson Wentz. And that's because that's not, that's truly not biased. That's because I think they both have an injury asterisk, right? So if they are both hurt, it doesn't matter. But if they're both healthy, I think Wentz will be better, and Wentz has the better targets around him and the better team to make him better. Although I do think Andrew Luck, if healthy, will still have a good year, but I'm going to take Carson Wentz just because of the talent around him. And, and, the last, and lastly on Wentz, as we're just kicking around a little Eagles fantasy, where would you rank him amongst quarterbacks? Mahomes and Rodgers clearly ahead of him. Uh, I guess Watson you would put in as QB3? No, no. Oh, oh, fantasy. Yeah, fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Watson could be three just because of the running factor with him. Um, yeah, you plug in Mahomes one, Rogers two, Watson three. Um, you be four. Uh, 
love Baker Mayfield. Maybe for me, I, I do, you know, I don't know how many wins the Browns are have, but I think that offense could be electric. Again, I think he's just very set up to succeed with the talent around him. That talent around him is unquestionable. Uh, I really think that Baker Mayfield, and then I probably round out my my fifth with a former MVP, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. Wow. Stud receiver. would not be in your top five quarterbacks. Uh, Fantasy-wise, he would not be. No, no. Matt Ryan has Calvin Ridley, I think, is really going to take the next little step this year. I think Devontae Freeman's going to be a big part of the offense. I think um, I think the Falcons, Austin Hooper, you know, he's a very uh, suitable tight end. I think Matt Ryan falls at number five, and, that, and that's my top five fantasy quarterbacks this year. Okay, let's put a button on the fantasy talk. Any other kind of burning questions, topics that you think are, are worth kicking around? Are you drafting Antonio Brown if he's there? <laughs> uh Get throw out an ADP. You just give me a number that you think he, he's going give right me, now. Get okay. Antonio Brown or Keenan Allen? Who are you drafting? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, you know, I think I'm gonna have to say I'm drafting Keenan Allen because because yeah. you know how the other day I was talking about with the NFL win totals, the high floors with the teams that have quarterbacks and coaches that have been there, done that. That's yeah. Keenan Allen, right? Like. He's not. He maybe isn't. He's not going to be in that tier with Hopkins and Michael Thomas. But you know he's going to be like a low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two. I am concerned that the floor for Antonio Brown is lower than we realize, right? And and I I, I buy that. I'm buying that. When you're drafting in the top five rounds, especially, it's very important to avoid risk, right? So going off that, so you wouldn't. So you wouldn't be drafting. So wait, just a quick question off that. You wouldn't be drafting a Melvin Gordon or a Todd Gurley or a Ezekiel Elliott. Are you not touching any of those three? No, see, I think Zeke is a little less risky. There was the report out today. Yep, that second highest paid running back. He got a huge offer. They they built their offense around him when they selected him fourth overall. Granted, they did trade for Amari Cooper. So like, I, I don't know. I just think they need Zeke more than the Chargers need Melvin Gordon. Melvin That's Gordon great. like probably my favorite player in the NFL. I love watching the guy, but... I'm very sketched out that this could go. There was already a report this week that he's prepared and ready, and it's likely now to extend in the regular season. So getting back to my overarching point, I need to avoid risk in the first three, four, five rounds. And I think right now, and I think everybody will agree, there's more risk with Antonio Brown than there has been really ever before since we've known him to be a hot fantasy commodity, right? Yeah, I agree. They're really – I mean, Keenan Allen's had some injuries, but for the most part, that's been the only Yeah, injury. I mean, at the end of the day, Antonio Brown, obviously, if back to Antonio Brown, it's going to be better than Keenan Allen. Uh, but if it's not the Antonio Brown we're used to seeing and it doesn't work out with Derek Carr, then obviously, like you said, the, and I'm the, glad the bottom is really low. Well, because know? as much as A.B. might have wanted to get out of Pittsburgh, fantasy-wise, I mean, that's a very clear downgrade going from Yeah, to- definitely a downgrade. But, you know, Antonio Brown is that kind of prolific receiver. He can catch a 10-yard ball and take it to the house 80 yards. But like you said, let's save some fantasy next time. Um, I'm really excited to uh, get into some baseball this week. And we got a lot of major upcoming series. We have some great picks, some great stuff. Um, but let's take a short break. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, a bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. 
With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to stay connect- connected with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. If shaving is a terrible experience for you, we've got you covered at BlueWire. Our podcast network is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and travel blade and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the low-quality razors from convenience stores. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Sign up today. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a sample Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades Come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure to go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. And that brings us back to the full slate Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greg Frank alongside Matt Siegel <clears throat> as we kick it what into up, third gear right now. We're going to go to some weekend action, give you some picks. I can't wait, Greg. Let's go to the diamond where I know it's been a pretty good day for you, Matt, on this Thursday. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't talk before any of the games are over. But we are hopefully shaping up to have a good day. With updates of all his games. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the A's up 5-0. They did just allow a leadoff walk to the Yanks in the top of the fifth. We need three more outs. Um... With a 5-0 lead, needing three outs, I'm pretty comfortable with that. So I'm liking that. Otherwise, I think uh, we're doing pretty well in the game, but obviously I'll recap. On, oh, it wasn't a walk. Yeah, it actually struck him out. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I'll get back to uh, the recaps on Twitter, as you guys know. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it. But for today, let's get into uh, some big series that are going on this weekend. Greg, do you, do you, uh, do you have your eye on anything? Because I know I sure did. Well, for just as a baseball fan, this is a good weekend uh, for action, right? I mean, you have the Dodgers and Yankees in a potential World Series preview. You have the Mets. Yo, by the, the way, Braves, by the way, I, you have the I think I think that is a potential World Series preview. Although I, I, I do, I do still have the Astros. Um, I know their recent struggles, but I have the Astros coming in. No, right? no, I'm with you. It's Astros or yeah. nothing right now in the AL. 
I actually am not that high on the Yankees as maybe the market. I think that if they run into, say, Cleveland, I think that pitching for Cleveland could really give the Yankees lineup a problem. Uh, but we'll talk about that, obviously, down the line. I would really like to see that as a first-round series, though. Yeah, I have three series on my mind, actually, circled this weekend. The Cubs, Nationals, starting at a day game tomorrow. I think that's going to be a big series this weekend. Obviously, playoff indications a little early, but just a big series of two, two good teams in the NL. You have another clash of two good teams in the NL. Uh, Mets and Braves that's starting tomorrow as well. And then, as you said, we have the Yankees Dodgers, um, ending the nights at 10 p.m. Uh, next couple of nights. Um, another big AL clash of maybe preview World Series. But you have any, you have any insight there? Uh, well, I actually go want to go to Flushing and talk a little bit about the Braves and Mets series. I have been looking to fade the Mets the last week plus or so since they've been on this hot streak, right? Because as hot as they've been, right? Probably the hottest team in baseball for the month of August, let's say. Say that's when it all started after the Marcus Stroman trade. They are still two games out of a playoff spot. So what does that tell you about what they were before that? I know their pitching is very good. And maybe it's good enough to get them into the playoffs. But I just think baseball seasons are long enough to where the sampling we saw before that with the Mets is still going to come back and rear its ugly head a little bit. And you're going to see the Mets finish around 500 this year. I, I do saw, agree with you there. Although I saw I, them I, last week in Atlanta lose two out of three and the Braves had their way offensively with the Mets. So I think Atlanta is going to go to flushing and win two out of three. No, I, I can't say that I don't agree with you there. However, I will say that I like DeGrom at home on the mound tomorrow against Fultz, whatever you say his Fultz name. I don't, yeah, sure. Fultz and Nev, whatever. Um, his ERA is too high. He doesn't get his last name pronounced anyway. 6.09. You got DeGrom holding his 2.61 ERA at home. Um, I'm going to obviously look to play the uh, the Mets on the on the first half run line. I'm going to look to play the Mets probably first half under potentially, but definitely uh, first half run line with DeGrom on the bump. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Big series the- for the Mets. I'm glad you mentioned that about the under two, because I think this is another one of those series where the side in total is pretty correlated, right? Like if you like, yeah, the Mets, yeah, yeah. you're going to like unders. Uh, if you're going to like the Braves, you're going to like overs. Yeah. Just, you're going to think they hit the ground. The, uh, right. Or, or, or beyond this series or uh, the bullpen beyond, to get into beyond the Friday night. Uh, it's the pitching matchups line up better to where you could also see some more runs. Max Fried against Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler been a little spotty post all-star break and Dallas Keuchel against Steven Matz. Both those guys earn run averages in the like four ish neighborhood. So yeah. I, I just think in general, Atlanta's loaded offensively. Uh, I, I, I would not be surprised if uh, they did score enough tomorrow uh, where like that game's not over after five, not to say you won't win that bet, but there's not a game. If I'm a Mets fan, even with the Grom tomorrow, like he, you better get that same Degrom because if you don't, then you're in danger of getting swept. I think Atlanta is at least going to get two out of three in Queens because, as I said, I just think eventually you're going to start to see the Mets come back down to earth. The fact that they've been this hot and still aren't in the playoffs, yeah, it's a bad I mean, sign for me if I'm a Mets fan. The eventually. thing is here, you know, the thing is Degrom's, uh, you know, he's holding a 1.42 ERA in August, he's holding a 1.09 ERA in July. Um, he's been on oh, an absolute tear. You know, if I'm putting my money on this game tomorrow, you know, and I'm not saying the Braves don't win, but I'm betting, one, that DeGrom goes more than five innings, and therefore I'm betting the Mets on the first half run line. All right? You know, that's just where my head at. And 
you know, the Braves may very well win the game, you know, when DeGrom comes out, but I- I'm taking DeGrom to uh, take down this, this Braves, this Braves lineup that is actually uh, better suited to hit lefties than righties. And they will get a lefty on Sunday and Steven Matt. So yeah. So maybe uh, that's a spot to look to take the Braves then. Sure. Yeah. Overall though, I still think the Braves, whether it's Friday or Saturday's game against right-handers that they win, I definitely like them Sunday. They're the better team. So I do think they will win the series. Let's get to the Cubs and Nationals. What do you, what do you think there tomorrow? Give me tomorrow. And then just maybe let's say a little outlook on the series. Let's, uh, uh, let's, let's wrap this one up quick though. Real quick. Yeah. I, I would sooner play over than anything. I mean, if I, I was going to bet the side, I would lean Cubs. Uh, but Annabelle Sanchez, I mean, I, I can't never feel good about betting him. Uh, Lester had a start not too long ago at Wrigley where the A's shelled him. Not, and the, the Nats have been scoring runs like bonkers lately. And, and so we know about the Cubs at Wrigley, right, and, and, and how good they've been there and how bad they've been on the road. Uh, stronger on the over, but uh, sidewise, I would still lean to Chicago. Yeah. Um, so all, all series or tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow, I would probably – I have not seen what that total's at, uh, but if I could see a 9.5, a might even look at 10, I would consider going full game over because, again, you have the Nats bullpen, which is always a tire fire. Yeah, I mean, this is a day game, right? And Sean Lester, I have it. You know, he's a, he's a 3.3 he's only a 3.3 ERA during the day, 4.02 ERA at home, but he actually has been worse in the second half of the season – uh, po- pre All Star break, he had a three point seven two ERA. Right. Post All Star break, that I brought up exactly. So post All Star, he has a five point four five ERA. But one thing I want to mention, I believe, including today, the Cubs' first five run line is actually thirty one and twelve in the last forty three games. So the Cubs have been covering the first half that's run line. That's all games. That's the home games. Home games. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah. Right. Home, yeah, home games. games. So if you if you saw my tweet today, if you're on my Twitter today, following my plays, you know we rode that today. Um, we we won that one nothing today. Uh, they covered first half against against the Giants. You know I, I like playing the Cubs first half at home. It's not a surprise I've been doing it all year. Um, I'll probably end up going with that tomorrow, as I'm not a big fan of Anibal Sanchez, but I'll definitely have to give that a yeah. second look. But um, throughout the series, I will definitely look to play that. Quintana, I like at home, but John Ross, he's actually been throwing the ball real nice, so I don't know about that game. That might be a stay away for me, and I don't know about Sunday yet. We'll, we'll wait to get a little closer. Now, Yankees-Dodgers, uh, what are you thinking there? Yeah, so you get Hinjun Ryu tomorrow against James Paxton. Been waiting for Ryu to come back down to earth because this is clearly a season that he's way above his head with. Uh, Paxton's another guy I, I never quite know what I'm getting in terms of He's been pretty good uh, last couple starts. He shut Four down. Four earned runs, three earned runs. I mean, like, it's solid. Like, I mean, unfortunately. It's solid, right? You know, like, I mean, the Yankees score a lot. That's this day in baseball. You know, teams are scoring yeah, so, more. Like, three runs. You, if you hold a team to three runs. at eight and a half. Like, again, another probably. I hate to keep just giving out overs, but it's probably another series where I'd sooner bet over, right? I mean, what about, the, what, what about the Yankees run struggles that I've been riding the athletics all series? They're about to get swept by the athletics. Uh, are you that's, worried about that? I mean, that's something I, that I'd be looking at. Uh, well, I guess in that case, then maybe you look at the Dodgers on the first five run line, like you've been suggesting. Yeah, that's going to be my play tomorrow. You hit it right on the nail. I'm going to take Dodgers first five run line. I've been playing this with Ryu all year. You know, I let the numbers tell the story. I, I I try not to get too cute in baseball. It's a very analytical sport. Ryu did have a poor start, 
four earned runs last year. The last time he had a poor start was June 28th at Colorado. Tough place to pitch. He let up seven earned runs. He came back the next start, July 4th, at home against San Diego. Went six scoreless, allowing only three hits, five strikeouts. So he's shown that when he had a, when he's had a bad start, he's bounced back. And those were the only two starts he's actually allowed over two earned runs all year. Um, and he actually hasn't – he's only allowed two earned runs one time in the whole month of July. He's, you know, he's, he lights out. He's, he's arguably the Cy Young this year. I'm going to take him at home on the run line, especially with the Yankees' struggles. What, the Yankees' struggles? Yeah, and I, you know what? I, I, now that I kind of said that and hear what you say, I'm probably going to end up on that too. Um, one last thing. Obviously, interleague games, maybe these hitters haven't seen the pitchers as much. But remember, DJ LeMahieu had time in the NL, in the NL West against Ryu lifetime. DJ LeMahieu. Two for 16, 125 batting average, 176 on base percentage. He's obviously been one of the straws that stirs the drink for the Yankees this year. Not good numbers against Ryu. You mentioned the Yankees coming into the series pretty cold. Uh, and Doc- I mentioned Paxson's, Paxson's numbers. Four or four in runs uh, last He's game. Run three in runs. You know, and that's... Against I mean, the Cy Young winner, right? Yeah, I, I mean, that's... Four and runs against Cleveland, three against Baltimore. That's at home. I, I, you know, he allows four and runs in five innings to the Dodgers. Um, I don't, I don't see Ryu allowing four and runs, and you know, yeah, I don't, it, see, I don't it, see him allowing over over three. It's just not a time to get on the Yankees right now. I'm a little uh, concerned, I don't think like so. you mentioned with the bat. They made, that, they made the West Coast trip, and so far it's not, it's not working out. You know, I mean, it's, it's only in the bottom of the fifth. Maybe they'll change my mind, and and you know, if they spark a huge comeback, end up winning this game, you know. I definitely could scare me off the play. A big comeback win down 5-0, uh, preventing to get swept on the road to the athletics. You know, that's a big-time win. If they do that, maybe that'll scare me off. But the, the looks of this game, the way that's going, I'm playing Dodgers on the run line. First half tomorrow, Ryu on the bump. I'm not thinking twice. Um, but, Greg, I do have a max play tomorrow. I don't know about you, but I'm going to St. Louis. And I'm taking the St. Louis Cardinals minus a half. On the run line, I actually currently don't have a line. I, I think it's going to be around probably minus 150. Honestly, I'll play it all the way up to minus 175. And this is a 3U max play for all my followers that there are a 3U fire play. And I'm playing this for a number of reasons, right? And all the number of reasons, they say Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty has been arguably the best pitcher in baseball over the last month. In August, in four starts, he's holding a 0.35 ERA, and he's 3-0. He's in four starts. He's only allowed one earned run, and that was a solo home run at Cincinnati. In the month of July, he has he's holding a 2.48 ERA, and he's just been unbelievable the past two months, really just since the All-Star break. He's really a young kid, just coming to his own, 23 years of age, and he's just taken the major leagues by storm. He holds a 2.89 ERA at home, where he's going to be tomorrow. And like I said, post-All-Star breaks, been the best pitcher in baseball with a 0.83 ERA. And behind a solid Cardinals lineup that's fighting for the playoffs, I think it's a good play. And you got the opposing young kid, Peter Lambert, on the bench. I mean, on the bump from the other side for the Rockies. I don't know if my followers remember, but I played this exact same matchup a little while back against Lambert. And 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 it and it worked out in our favor. Lambert has an 8.55 ERA in the month of August, a 4.64 ERA in the month of July. His last four starts all in August, he hasn't allowed anything less than three earned runs. You know, and last start he allowed three earned runs to the Marlins, obviously one of the one of the lesser teams in baseball. 
You know, on the away, he's not doing any better. 6.39 ERA, post-All-Star break, 6.44 ERA. Again, I know the Rockies can hit a little bit, but with the Cardinals lineup behind them at home, fighting for a playoff spot, Jack Flaherty, their emerging young ace on the mound against a struggling young man in Peter Lambert. I'm playing Cardinals, minus a half on the run line for three units, whatever the line is, up to minus 170, expecting it to be around minus 150. Not much to argue with there. Cardinals in the middle of a playoff race, and I agree on Flaherty. He's one of the more you know exciting younger arms in the game. So uh, certainly you know a worthwhile investment. And hey, if you're going to play that much juice, you might as well go all in and, and make it a max play like you're suggesting. So uh, on that note, let's end with how we started college football. The two games over the weekend. I actually have likes on both of them, and one of them is a consensus play that we're both going to be on. Uh, we're going to start in Orlando. Yeah, the first the Miami- play we drew up together, folks. This is the Miami Hurricanes on a neutral field against the Florida Gators. I say neutral. It's probably going to be more Florida people, given the geography of the state. That said, uh, the Gators, as we speak right now, Matt, I know you already bet this total under at, what did you get, at 50 and a half? Yeah, right. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, right back. now, mostly at forty-six and a half full game. Florida is a seven and a half point favorite in the game, but where we are going together is the first half under twenty-three and a half. And I like this for a couple reasons. Then we'll let you weigh in as well. You got a an inexperienced Jaron Williams starting a quarterback for Miami. Obviously, that was a talking point in the preseason in college football over whether it was going to be Tate Martell or what they were going to do. They end up going with Jaron Williams, who doesn't have much experience, and you're getting him against a Florida defense that's really good. You think about Florida, right? It's always because of their defense that they're going to be a highly ranked team. So Yo, the like A's won the have- first half, Greg. I'm sorry? The A's, the, the max bet, won the first half. There we go. It feels like Florida, though, every year is based on defense. They always have guys drafted first two, three rounds defensively. I can't remember the last time they've been like an offensive, even above average team. You'd have to go back to the Tebow days probably. So for that reason, like I, I, I'm not a huge Felipe Franks guy. I still think Florida is going to go as far as, it de- as far as its defense goes. That's why they're preseason top 10. If I get a, an inexperienced quarterback starting his career, first career start for Jaron Williams against this defense, I'm going to look to play this under, particularly in the first half, because you probably see some jitters from the young kid early on. And, and Florida is going to go as far as his defense goes. As I said, the only thing you worry about is maybe a defensive touchdown, but it's not something I can factor in too strong in a handicap. Craig, you actually touched really on all my points. One of my main points was really just pure inexperience in the first game in a neutral site, in a big time environment. You know, this is something that he's never experienced before. And like I said, that's why, you know, I like the under full game as well, but I, I prefer the, I like the under first half more. I think it's going to take a little bit to get going. You know, it's the start of the season. They, you know, they got to click. They got to click. You really touched on everything. And this is a consensus play between Greg and I. So there you have it. First half under 23 and a half, Miami and Florida on Saturday in Orlando. Lastly, I have a like on the other game on the college football card, and it is on Saturday between the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. I feel like you have to like them just because that's their name against the Arizona Wildcats. Hawaii 
coming off of its best season since 2010. Last year in 2018, they got they won eight games. And I mentioned earlier when we were talking about win totals with some of those teams in the Big Ten West with P.J. Fleck and Jeff Brom and those coaches that are you hit year three or year four, and that's when you really start to see a program take off if there's that trajectory going where they've kind of slowly but surely accumulated more wins. That's what it looked like Hawaii is doing. And it wasn't the best year for Kevin Sumlin and the Arizona Wildcats last year. So to be laying doubles on the road in Miami, this is a great springboard opportunity for the Rainbow Warriors against a Power 5 team. I'm not saying I'm playing them on the money line, but I will definitely take Hawaii plus the 11 uh, to cover to start the season. Yeah, I mean, truthfully, I don't really have an opinion on that. I stayed away from that game. That kind of game to start the season just isn't isn't really my forte. That's the kind of game that I would look to play later in the season uh, when I've seen some well, some, right, the later the season, some you're more not gonna, data. Not conference game. Yeah, no, no. I just I just mean like uh like a, you know I just, I just frankly don't know too, too much about most of the, the either of those teams right now. Uh, I fully support your pick. Um, yeah, and, and maybe it's more me. I went to Temple, so I pay more attention to the Group of Five. I think Hawaii is just going to be an interesting group of five team. Not saying they're going to go all the way to the New Year's Six and be the Western Michigan or uh, the UCF last. Not saying that, but like I said, eight wins last year. Could see Hawaii at nine or ten. And no, I mean, I get group of five. To, to, I get to group of five on. against Power Five early in the season, and I get the group of five team at home. You got to think motivational edge for the group of five team, right? Yeah, no, no, no. I de- yeah, I mean, to open up the season at home, you know, it, it's a good spot. Uh, you're getting a lot of points there. Like you said, obviously the money line's a long shot, but you're getting a lot of points. They're going to get up for the game, the season opener. Uh, I, 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 I like it. I like it. You made me a believer. Matt, it was a lot of fun. Some disagreements, some agreement. That's what it's all about. I, we want to appreciate everybody downloading and listening. Final word. There's no value in a loser. Just remember <laughs> that, always. There's no value and in losers. That is going to wrap things up for us on the Blue Wire full slate. Have a good weekend. Full winners. Let's print. Let's print. Let's make sure to get those download numbers up as well. Matt, it was fun. Forget to lock the max play, boys. We'll be in touch. There you got Matt's max play. Cardinals on the first five run line tomorrow against the Rockies. Or, well, I guess tonight uh, on Friday against the Rockies. I am on Hawaii plus 11. We are both on Miami, Florida, first half under 23 and a half. Greg Frank. And Matt Siegel signing off here on the Full Slate Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.